Amen. Well, we're going to continue now in our time of worship by opening up the Word of God. And as Jacob prayed so eloquently today, what we he reminded us that we're actually in a series currently in the book of Galatians. And so I'm going to invite us to go ahead and open up to the book of Galatians, chapter 3. We're going to be in Galatians 3 and 4 today. You can go ahead and open up your Bibles to that section in Galatians 3, beginning at verse 23. Galatas 3, empezando el versículo 23. And um, we will look at uh, two passages, one from Galatians 3 and one from Galatians 4 as well. And you can go ahead and follow along in your Bibles or your apps, or God's Word will also be in the projector screen uh, um, there in front of us, or if you're watching from home, on the slides in front of you as well. So let's go ahead and hear now with open ears and open hearts from the Word of God, from Galatians chapter 3 in verse 23. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. So that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, the second reading from Galatians 4, verses 4 to 7, beginning at verse 4. But when, when the set time had come fully, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship and daughtership. Because you are his sons and daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Let's pray. God, we thank you because you are good. You are kind, Lord, and you always make a way. And Lord, we just pray that today you would just enlighten us, illumine us, give us an aha moment, Lord, when it comes to your word today. And God, I just pray that you, Lord, would just be magnified, glorified, lifted high, God. We surrender all things to you today, Lord, believing that you are able that you are good. And Lord, I just pray that any, any, um, any chains, Lord, any burden, any yoke that is not of you, Lord God, would you release us from that, God, and help us, Lord, to step into who we are, God, who we were created to be, 
sons and daughters of the Most High God. Thank you, Lord. Speak to us today. We love you, Lord, and we pray this in the faithful name of Jesus. Amen. So we've been learning about Galatians together, and really what we've learned is that the heart of Galatians reminds us that people are not justified by their own works. We are not saved by our own works. We're not saved by the works of the law, but rather we're saved and justified by faith in Jesus Christ. And we have faith in Jesus Christ, in the Messiah that Galatians talks about here. In fact, that's the heart, that's the passion, and that's the point of Galatians. It it's really comes down to this, that when people place their faith and trust in Jesus, then what is true of Jesus becomes true of us. And this means that we belong to God's family because of Jesus, and actually only because of Jesus, only because of what he did for us. Not because of anything that we've done or could have done or left undone, but Jesus has done all of the heavy lifting to be able to justify us, to save us, and to make a way. Paul reminds us of this in uh, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 19 uh, through 20. He says this, and it's kind of a, a famous passage. Maybe you've heard it before in Galatians 2, 19 to 20, where he says, I have been crucified with Christ. And it's not I that will come back to life, but the Christ living in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave his life for me. In Galatians 3 and 4, we read about how God makes a new family. In fact, what like we like to say here at Imago, right? A new multicultural family, a new humanity as the New Testament outlines it. A new humanity in Christ, united in Christ. God's purpose has been to have this, to have one large new creation, new humanity, one large multicultural family relating to him on the basis of faith not on works and not on law and not on particular um, uh, restrictions or rule-keeping or rule-breaking or cultural biases. No, God's goal is that we would be one family united in him and connected with God based on faith, not just on our own works. So the big question in Galatians 3 and 4 is, this, this kind of abstract question, which is, why the law? Why the law in the first place? Why the Old Testament in the first place? Why did all that have to happen before Jesus came and fulfilled it all, before he gave us new life in the Spirit? Why the law? Why the moral law? Why all of that? Why did that have to happen before Jesus came? What was the point of the law? That's, that's the big question that Galatians is engaging here especially the standards and the laws and the rules that we see in the Old Testament. How, how is it that those standards, those laws, those promises that were, that, were, that were being brought up in the Old Testament, how is it that they're fulfilled in Jesus Christ? 
How do they make sense in light of the cross, in light of the resurrection, and in light of the New Testament story, and in this side of salvation? And so, really, what Paul is responding to in the book of Galatians is really a very basic question, right? Which we should ask whenever we engage anything or whenever we do anything, which is, what's the point? What's the purpose? People are asking Paul here, what was the point of the law? What was the point of the Old Testament? And how is it that Jesus fulfills that for us? And that's the truth. Everything has a point and everything has a purpose. And sometimes when we don't know, the best thing to do is simply ask, even if we don't understand it all at first. Some of you know, one, one thing I'm pretty interested in and pretty passionate about is I like films, I like stories, I like movies, and I went through a stage when I was in my late teens where I was really into these artsy movies, and um, I didn't always know what they meant, but I kind of pretended like I understood um, in order to, you know, get by or to connect with, with some friends that were really into that. And um, there was a time where I was actually um, in this season of going regularly to these very artsy, abstract movies with a friend of mine. Uh, his name was Tim. And um, we used to go to the movies in this um, artsy little theater, little gritty theater in Pasadena in Southern California where I grew up. And we saw this movie almost 20 years ago that, that was pretty abstract. It didn't have like a singular story. Um, it was had all kinds of different scenes that seemed pretty random. And at the end of the movie, I'll be honest, I had no idea what the point of the movie was. I didn't know what the purpose was. And in fact, neither did my friend, neither did Tim. We had no idea what the point of the last two hours were. But, you know, it, it seemed like it was something deep and profound. So we just kind of went with it and acted like that's what it was. You know, once again, when I was in college, I had to take an art appreciation class. And one of the assignments that we had was I had to go to the Getty Center Museum in Southern California, in Los Angeles, and uh, just analyze different pieces of art. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't understand the point and purpose of every single art piece. Sometimes they're responding to pretty complicated questions, so there are some complicated answers as well. But I did learn a couple of, of phrases that, that really helped me get by over the years, especially when I've been in those situations of understanding something abstract or that doesn't make immediate sense to me. You know, when I would write in my report there, I would just write down some of these following phrases, and they, they got me by. When I, when I had to pretend to understand something that I, I didn't really at the time, I could simply write down, that was deep and profound. And this is the best phrase, thought-provoking, <laughs> mesmerizing, right? You always hear different movie critics say that, right? Like when they don't know what to say, they just say thought-provoking, memorizing, mesmerizing, come see the movie. But anyway, that's similar to what we see Paul doing here in Galatians. He's giving a very 
big explanation to a hard question that's pretty abstract and challenging to understand. What was the point of the law? What was the point of the Old Testament if now we have Jesus and we have salvation in him? How does it all make sense together? And in fact, uh, Paul gives a response of that here in Galatians, but it's, it's pretty dense, it's pretty complicated, it's pretty abstract. So if you don't understand it at first, that's okay. You can trust God and, uh, you know, you can just be like me in those moments where I've had to pretend to understand something and just say, that was deep or thought-provoking, right? Kind of, uh, that's some, sometimes something we have to do. And by faith, God will give us understanding through belief, through trust in him. And so um, what, we, what we see here is in Galatians 3 and 4 is Paul responding to that question. What was the purpose? What was the point of the law? And how does all of that get fulfilled in Jesus Christ? And if you want to read more about that, go ahead and dig deeper into Romans 7 and 8. And like I mentioned, it's okay if we don't understand it all because, again, it's a pretty complicated question and there's a complicated answer to it. But essentially, Paul is saying that God's plan had always been that we would live by faith since the promise of Abraham was a promise of faith. And that was actually something that took, took place long before the laws were given to Moses before the laws were given to the Israelites, the fact that God's promise to Abraham was first a promise based on faith. And in fact, what Paul is saying here is that the law always was supposed to really serve as a temporary placeholder, a temporary placeholder from the original promise of faith. And then the life of faith through Jesus and the resurrection would, be, would then be the fulfillment of that promise. So basically what Paul is trying to say here is that the, the original promise of God to Abraham was a promise of faith. And humanity wasn't able to connect with that. And so there was a placeholder and that placeholder was the law. But then the return of the promise of faith came once again in Jesus and in the resurrection. So the role of the law has actually two different uh, sides to it, a negative side and a positive side to it as well. And the negative role of the law is that the law, uh, actually this moral law that we all feel, our conscience, all of those standards, God's standards, all of that, um, the, the negative role of the law is that it serves like a magnifying glass or like a mirror which shows us our true human brokenness. All of us have different types of blind spots. And in fact, when we read the Old Testament, we really see the story of the human condition. The law was like a mirror to the, the people of God, to humanity, really uh, showing us, magnifying us, our blind spots and our brokenness. The law is able to show us where we miss the mark. The law is able to show us the warts that we don't see sometimes, the defects. It will show us our own brokenness that we try to hide and run away from. So in many ways, the law is like a giant mirror. You know, sometimes we can have something on us and we're not aware of it until we look at ourselves in a mirror. 
And that's what the law is. It's like a giant mirror that helps us see the true condition of humanity, the true condition of our brokenness and of our blind spots. We all have blind spots. At one point, I remember a couple of months ago here at Imago, I did a message, um, and I thought it was a great message. It was one of those, uh, you know, hallelujah, amen, connection type of messages, and I didn't realize it at the time until I passed by a mirror and I saw the footage afterwards, but during the entire message, I had a giant water stain on my shirt, and I had no idea because no one told me. In fact, um, every time I, I talked to someone throughout that Sunday, everyone just kind of gave me like a, a nice little smile and was acting a little extra nice. And I thought, oh, that's so sweet. Everyone's just being a little extra nice today. Only to realize afterwards as I'm passing by a mirror that I had this giant stain of water on my shirt. And I thought to myself, oh, okay, now, now I get it. And I'll tell you one thing, you know, next time, if you really want to be nice, go beyond just being nice and smiley. Just tell me, hey, you have a giant water stain on your shirt. Let's do something about that, you know. And in fact, that's the point of the law. That's the point of the law. It is a mirror. It points out the giant stains in our lives it points out the blind spots in our lives. It points out our own character defects, our brokenness. It points out the need for a savior. It points out that which we don't see on our own. I mean, I don't know if any of you have ever gone on a journey of just, um, you know, self-learning, self-discovery and whatnot. But I know that, that one thing that I've done even um, in those journeys is I've realized when I really pay attention, there's a lot that I need to work on in myself. There's a lot that God needs to do in my, in, to restore my past, to redeem my present, and to, and to take me into a brighter future. So that's really what the role of the law is on the one hand. It has a negative role. It's like this giant mirror that shows us our our blind spots and our stains as well. But then the law also has a positive role. It served like a strict school teacher or like a crossing guard to help the children of God stay in line until the coming of the Messiah and life by the Holy Spirit. A life by the Holy Spirit, which we now have access to because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So in many ways, that was the positive role of the law. Now you see sometimes crossing guards that have the stop sign to allow children to move through to make sure that everyone stays in line and there's no major accident that occurs. That was also the positive role of the law to keep us in line or as the scripture says here, to give us a guardian. And then because of Jesus, he now becomes the fulfillment of the law. He fulfills the purpose and the promises of the law. And now he gives us access to life in the spirit. Life in the spirit through faith. Now through Jesus, God's blessing can come to all people. Because now we're all one in Christ, as this passage says regardless of ethnicity, social status, human and societal categories and power dynamics, Jesus puts us all on common ground. 
Because now those who place their faith in Jesus will have access to life by the Spirit. So here in the book of Galatians, we see what the summary or what the gospel truly is. And the gospel is simply this. The gospel means that Jesus has done something that has changed everything. And now God's blessing is available to all people through faith. So that's why in Christ, there is, we are all one. And in the book of Galatians here, there's so much rawness. There's so much uh, passion because Paul here in writing Galatians is reminding us to not get it twisted Let's not act as if Jesus did not fulfill God's promises. Let's not act as if Jesus did not deal with our sins already on the cross. Because it is finished. And because it is finished, that means that we cannot and we must not neglect the true freedom that Jesus has gained for us. Because if we still think that we have to do it, then that means that we think Jesus was not enough. And I want you to hear this. If we claim to believe in the gospel and we think or we act as if Jesus was not enough, then we're really missing the whole point. We're missing the whole point of the gospel and the whole point of the spiritual life. Our life with God, and I want to be clear about this, our life with God is not something that we make happen. Not by our works, not by our wits, not by our own methods. Our life with God is not something that we make happen, but our life with God is a response. A response to what God has made happen, to what God has done in and through Jesus. Our life with God and faith is an openness and an acceptance to what God has already done in Jesus Christ. And because Jesus has already made a way, that means that you don't have to keep fighting. You don't have to keep trying to be your own savior. You don't have to keep trying to carry it all on your own. Instead of the pathway to faith, the pathway through to life in the spirit is really surrender. Surrender and being open to God saving you, to being open to God leading you, to being open to God restoring you. Because here's the truth about God being God. God being God means that you and I are not. God being God means that you and I don't have to be, and we don't have to pretend to be. So, friends, brothers, sisters, let's stop wearing the image mask. Let's stop with the fake persona. And let's live into the life that you were created for. As we say here at Imago, identity in the image of God along with purpose in the image of Christ. So this brings us here to this important subject of faith. Galatians can really be summarized in this way with this phrase, it's all about faith. 
faith is not something that we've got. Faith is not something that we've earned. But faith is something that we get. Faith is a gift from God. Faith is a gift from God to you, to me. In verse 25, it talks about the time for faith, or now that faith has come. This refers to the fact that God is the one who gives us faith, who gives us faith to believe in him and in Christ and in the gospel. In Ephesians 2, 8 to 9, we're reminded that faith is a gift from God. And that means that's why we need to be asking God for faith. So if you're in need of faith, there really is a step you can take. You can ask. Ask God for faith. It's a gift. It's something God provides for us. If you're in a season, like many, where you're finding it hard to believe, then ask for faith. He will help you. If you're struggling to accept all that God has done for you, then ask for faith. Ask for strength. Because according to Galatians here, the time for faith has come. It's no longer... The way of Jesus is no longer the way of the law, but the way of Jesus is now the way of faith. And it's all about faith. We're accepted by God and justified and made right with him through faith in Jesus Christ. Last week, we talked a little bit about Abraham, the father of faith. And if you didn't hear that, I want you to go back and be able to, to listen to that, to catch up with that as well. And how um, that promise of faith applies to us as well because of Jesus. That now everyone who would have faith in Jesus would be a son or a daughter of God. And that means that there are no longer any distinctions of value or worth between us because we are now all one in Jesus Christ. We're all one in him. All Jesus' followers are accepted by God in exactly the same way. God accepts us by faith in Jesus Christ. Again, not by works, not by our deeds, not by what we have to offer, but by what God has to offer to us. And that's faith and grace and new beginning. So all believers in Jesus Christ are really, the, as, as Galatians is saying here, right, the true descendants of Abraham, the father of faith. So that means that we can come to God in the same way that Abraham did, as it says here in this passage, we can come to God by faith. Again, come to God by your need, not by your deed. Come to God receiving his grace, what he has to offer, not, not, not just pretending like you can add anything to that. So really, it all comes down to this. It's all about faith. And there's this passage in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 9, verse 24, that really give, reminds me of the image of the type of faith that we're called to in our journey with Jesus. 
So if we can put it up, uh, Mark 9.24, it says the following. It's this interaction that Jesus is having with this stressed out father. His son is going through a crisis. And what seems like this huge circumstance becomes this intimate conversation between this father and Jesus. And it says this in Mark 9.24. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Or another translation that I love, the ESV, it says, immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. Ayúdame en mi poca fe. I believe, help my unbelief. We can start there. Suddenly, what can feel overwhelming or this giant unmanageable crisis that we may be going through, just like in this passage with Jesus and this father, it can, th this giant crisis can turn into just an intimate encounter between Jesus and you, just like it did with Jesus and this helpless father. The father in his helplessness comes to understand real faith. And what is real faith? Faith is what or who we place our trust in. All of us have faith. And we place our trust in something or in someone. Trust requires surrender. Because we're bound to place our trust in something or someone. And today, friends, brothers, sisters, I want to invite you to place that trust in Jesus. Whether you're here in person or tuning in online, place that trust in Jesus. Place that trust in the God who can and the God who has taken action to save us from our common crisis. And really, what's our common crisis it's the boat that we're all on, we're, we're all on together, right? Which is the messiness that is our ordinary lives, our ordinary human lives that sometimes just seem like too much. God loves you with a passion. As a beautiful song once put it so well, he loves you so much that he would rather die than live without you. Take faith in Jesus today. Because here is the truth and the bottom line. Yes, all of Galatians can be summarized in that. It's all about faith. And here's the other truth about faith. In this life, all battles are fought on the grounds of faith. Faith is the ground in which all battles are fought. Emotional battles, physical battles, spiritual battles. At the heart of those battles will remain the question, in who am I trusting? And things crop up, right? Like control and unhealthy anxiety. All of those things are symptoms that arise when I am trusting in myself, when I am trusting in my own works, as Galatians would put it. The journey of faith in Jesus Christ begins with a mere acknowledgement. With a mere acknowledgement of our own lack of control. Of our own powerlessness. Real faith is not only about the information or the inspira inspiration, but real faith is all about the transformation. 
And transformation occurs through surrendering our will to God by trusting in God's wisdom, in God's power, and in God's ways more than I trust in my own wisdom, in my own power, or in my own ways. Let's take the step today toward real faith. And this first step toward real faith can be as simple, as intimate as the encounter that this father, this helpless father in this passage that we just read in Mark, it can be as intimate and as simple as the words that this father shares with Jesus when he cried out the words, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Taking this attitude, taking this posture of faith by admitting helplessness, that's enough for Jesus. He will draw near to you with that. That is enough. He will take a step toward you. You don't have to be some kind of spiritual giant or some know-it-all to enter into intimacy and closeness with Jesus. You just need to be honest. And sometimes the most honest we can be is to say, I believe. Help my unbelief. So today, may we surrender our fantasy of control. Because that's all it is. It's just a fantasy. And may we believe that always in our helplessness, because of faith, we can trust in God's faithfulness. So today, friends, brothers, sisters, let's just stop. You can stop trying to take control. You can stop trying to force or manipulate that outcome. Instead, by faith, may we rest Rest in the Lord. He's got you. Mom, especially today. Mother, playing that role constantly 24-7. Rest in the Lord. He's got you. He can be trusted. By faith, Jesus has made a way. So today, may we trust in him more then we trust in ourselves, in our own works, in our own strength, in our own circumstances. And may we believe that by grace, through faith, we are saved. And that by grace, through faith, it's going to be all right. We can rest in the arms of our Lord Jesus. He's got you. He's got us. Let's pray. God, we thank you. Because we are saved by grace through faith. Nothing more, nothing less. Forgive us, Lord, for sometimes just hearing that and letting it pass us by or acting because it's so familiar, Lord, that we fully get it. Well, maybe some of us get it, Lord, but now it's time for uh, some of us to live it. 
to live it out, God. To stop struggling, stop fighting, stop trying to be God because you're already on the throne. Stop trying to just take that role, Lord. You're really good at being God, Lord, because that's who you are. So help us, God, to just simply take our proper place in that role, God, which Galatians talks about here. You call us to be heirs, to be sons and daughters of the Most High God. Lord, we are your children. When we forget, when we lose our way, God, may we just come back to you, Lord. And sometimes the step back toward you, Lord, is a simple step of simply saying, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, give me faith to trust that you're in control. Lord, open my eyes to what I can't see, to the blind spots in my life. Lord, make a way because right now it seems like there's none. Thank you, Lord, because you hear our prayers, you see us, Lord. And thank you, Jesus, that all the battles in this life are going to be fought on the grounds of faith. And you've given us the tools, you've given us the strength, you've given us the ability, you've given us the identity, the authority, the capacity to engage that, Lord. And so, Lord, I just pray that we would be able to take that step toward you. And even if we feel like we've taken a step back or have slipped back over the last year, last few months, God, today we're asking for faith. We're asking for deeper trust, deeper hope, deeper belief in you, God. And that's a gift from you. Danos, Señor, el don de fe. Danos el regalo de fe. Lord, give us the gift of faith to press on, to hold on, to keep going, no matter what. Thank you, Lord. We pray all of this, God, in the faithful name of Jesus, the name above all names, the one who holds us all in his hands, Lord. And it's in the arms of God, which is the best and most secure place that we can possibly be. And for that, we're grateful. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Man, if we can just